When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two and up, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud, and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilali. Okay, you're very welcome along to the first Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Yeah. There's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is our, our, our first uh, go at this. Um, we've had um, about four days struggling with the equipment, but um, we're here and it's recording and um, we're delighted to be here. Um, my name is Connor Lynch. Uh, we're joined by... Uh, Sean Dunn and Shane McGoldrick. Uh, we also have Jerry O'Connor here, who is um, uh, Chief Trust Person. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is your title, Jerry? The Chief. The Chief, main man. So, um, Moneymaker. The, the idea, I suppose, of the, the idea of um, the podcast is to get some information, more information out about um, uh, what the club is doing and what the trust is doing. Um, I suppose we want to be seen as working in partnership with. Um, Sligo Rovers Football Club and um, the trust is all about is it fair to say Jerry the trust is all about uh, promotion of the club? So the trust was uh, set up in 2005 by Alan Cairns and uh, with three or four other lads um, kind of peaked and dropped uh, through the years but in the last three or four years uh, we have a small group together of about maybe uh, 10 or so maybe even less um, We've, I suppose, we just came together as a group to try and see what we could do. In the last year or two, it's grown to about 20, um, so our numbers are kind of continually growing. So we've a real kind of strong group of about 20 people that are working kind of continuously on, say, for instance, on fundraising, uh, match day through the clubhouse and things like that. So uh, there's uh, and there's also the stuff happening uh, in the coming days and weeks in relation to websites. Yeah, so um, as you know, we we had we launched the GoFundMe page there a few months ago just to help out the club, um, and we were kind of taken aback as to how many people responded and how far and wide the response came from. Um, and I think just with modern technology, um, we found we just thought it was a good opportunity to reach out to those people and try and bring them into the trust uh, to be part of the club. Uh, because obviously now with technology, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can still feel part of the club, whereas I suppose when you had the Sligo Town Supporters Club years and years ago, it was just from the town, but now it's, you know, we see the trust as something being that is worldwide. Um, just chatting to the lads there, like last week we've had, I've had contact, pe- contact from people in Russia, uh, Italy, um, Australia, the US, particularly California, about 10 different people from 10 different countries have contacted us in the, in the last week or so. So it just shows you how far and wide the, the trust can uh, go. 
and it's just about, as I say, bringing people together to try and help the club and feel part of something as well. And I think the, the club itself has evolved in the way it's 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 thinking and it's um, the way it goes about things. That it's much more community based and bringing people together. And, you, you said um, we had a conversation last week, and you said that the um, that there's been a change in maybe how uh, supporters feel about the club in the last, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely would think that. Um, maybe, maybe the last seven or eight years, you can definitely feel a, a change in the culture uh, amongst the fans. And what does that mean, though? Like, what uh, do they want to win more trophies? Do they? No, I don't think so. I think um, I think the fans. I think right. We had a great period of time, great success, and all that was that was brilliant. But it also. I think was a starting point um, to bring people into the club, and that was all well and good. But like the money was well spent on what was won at the time, and um, we've made from the success. I think we've brought together a, a real sense of a football club now, a real sense of identity, a real sense of togetherness. I think it's not just all about winning trophies anymore. I think it's become more than that. I think the fans have really. I think the club have bought into that originally because up to re, up until the last seven or eight years, it was just all about whatever money we get, we spend the players. Whatever money we get, we spend the players. And that was all it was. Whereas now, we've got the likes of Theo, we've got the likes of Shane Crossan that are going out to the community, involving themselves and bending themselves within the, the community. And I think we really are more than just a results-driven football club now. We are a proper football club. And I think, you know... The club is representative of the people that support the people locally in the community, that kind of... Yeah, um, I know from going around selling the annual draw tickets, uh, and again, you go far and wide throughout the northwest selling them, and the amount of goodwill out there uh, towards the club is just phenomenal. Everybody is an interest, and everybody feels, everybody wants to see them doing well, everybody feels part of the club, um, and I think with the master plan as well, what you're going to chat about, uh, later on in the show, um, I think that's going to bring the club to another level um, in terms of embedding itself in the community and being part of the community. I think that's more important than anything. Okay, good stuff. Um, thanks for giving us the opportunity to deliver a podcast on behalf of the trust. Yeah, and no. uh, here's to here's to our success. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All right. So, thanks, Terry. Thanks, Connor. Cheers. Uh, so that's Jerry O'Connor from the Bitter Red Supporters Trust, the, the chief uh, supporter from Bitter Red Supporters Trust. Um, so this is our first pod. We're getting um, to, trying to get a handle on the technology and the microphone and recording in the um, um, the hospitality suite um, here in the showgrounds. So it might be a bit noisy, might be a bit rattly. Um, for all the forthcoming or for the, the podcasts in the future, um, it'll be myself. Uh, it'll be Shane McGoldrick. Uh, Shane. Uh, how are things, Shane? Not so bad. No, Connor, yourself. I'm very good. What has um, what is you here today? How did you? Uh, I think you you want to do a podcast for a long time. Is that right? Well, to my own detriment, now at the minute, yeah, I've been badgering Jerry O'Connor for years over a few pints after every game. We should be doing a podcast, and I and suppose he, now with the launch of the website next week, yeah, um, it kind of brought to a head, and Jerry decided now would be a good time to. Launch a podcast, so so here you are. Trust me into the spotlight, and and are you one of the original members of the trust? 
Not well. Uh, yes and no, probably. When when it was set up first by Alan, yeah, it would have been Alan's first cousin of mine. So and when, when, when it was set up first, did you waver? Did you leave for a while? Well, I didn't leave. I had no choice. When you when you're screaming babies at you, see, oh, right, okay. there's not much time to to be doing what the boys are doing, walking the streets and stuff like that, knocking on people's doors. And yeah, yeah. You don't really get the time, but I've never been too far away though. Yeah. Jerry's been kind of pulling me back in now the last two years too, so. And and the third uh, third person who will be a significant part of the podcast is Sean Dunn. Connor, how are you? I'm good. So how, why are you, how did you end up sitting here? Um, basically, funny sitting here is actually because I was sitting on here when uh, Jerry put out the tweet about what more we can do for the for the Bitter Red Pod or Bitter Red Trust. Sorry, and first thing was I jumped on with the podcast, and I think you were throwing your name in at that stage as well. So. Yeah. Just went from there and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, here we are. Yeah, that's the same story as me. Jerry put out a tweet about three weeks ago. I said, let's do a podcast. You with the same thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then I got a text message to say that the, the mixing desk and the mic's been bought. <laughs> I, anyway, that's where it happened over a couple of days. I was talking to Jerry and that's it. I went and got the equipment then for us as well. So. No turn back. No. no. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good way to make sure people it's are. Thing in, you'll like, not, not learn about Jerry. Once the idea is in his head, it's, yeah, it's not coming out of it. Um, okay, so uh, it's myself, Sean, Shane, um, who will be. Has no oh, there's my phone. Uh, who will be with you for the forthcoming podcast? Hopefully, this will be um, something that goes on into the future. So um, we're rambling on now a good bit, but what we're going to cover today is. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the draw with St. Pat's last Saturday afternoon. Um, we have a great interview with Sligo Rovers chairman Tommy Higgins. Um, there's been really positive news recently from the club in relation to the development of a master plan. The club has secured, I think it's around €30,000 from a leader to develop the master plan. And Tommy's going to talk to us a little bit later on about that. Um, but do we want to have a conversation, a quick chat about what happened uh, in, in Chicor? on Saturday afternoon it wasn't it wasn't the most riveting game of football we've ever seen but I mean and, and the manager said he wasn't overly enthused with how they played but uh, Sean would he be happy enough with the draw? I think coming out in Shakur for Slider Rovers in general lately is a positive result considering our history there has been awful but um, in terms of the performance no we weren't up to we weren't up to scratch at all I thought we were we were quite poor at times. We had spells in the game where we looked threatening, but overall, there was no identity to us there on Saturday. What we've seen recent, what we've seen in the last few weeks, that attack and free flowing football just wasn't there. And maybe that's credit to Pats as well for closing us down. They hounded us, they pressed us very high, and they piled on a lot of pressure earlier on as well. Where they didn't help us back that way. But Shane, they didn't. Um, Pats didn't look like they were going to really. They were, I mean, they had a lot of the ball, but they didn't do a huge amount with it. No, well, we weren't under siege at any stage, I wouldn't say, but um, we were in France, we were not in the game, though. We were never, well, we never looked like we were going to buckle at any stage, really, apart from the few that had to hit the post. So it was all long range efforts, yeah. really. Yeah. But yeah. we were never, we never tried to get rid of it at all. But we were never keeping it safe. No. No. So, the Clark and Goal, I didn't, the Clark and Goal from the Clark and Goal, yeah. You need slippers on the yeah, it was a handy number for him. But like, was that? I mean, were we set up to to sit back and I, just and whether whether we're just it's just one of them. We just look sluggish and slow, lethargic, and I have to say, right, my thoughts on it were: um, I know everyone is raving about 
Morahan and um, I mean Cauley is been doing alright as well. But I have to say, I think across the season, what I've seen so far is the two of them just end up sitting too deep. I kind of think they're on top of each other. And when we're looking to get the ball up the field, uh, Seymour played there. Um, Seymour played. Who did we play before Pats in the showgrounds? Seymour was, was injured for that game. It was a Waterford. Oh, he did? It was a Waterford game. Waterford game. He kind of, he, he pushed up the pitch a little bit and he, he linked up a bit of play. He's great driving him and stuff. He, yeah. He eat up the yards and stuff. When he, but that's what we missed. We missed the connection. I, I between. think and Coughlin is the main. I think if we, if Coughlin doesn't play well, we don't play well. Yeah. And on Saturday, he didn't have his best game. Nothing was sticking to him. So, one, once he's on his game, it sticks to him and it lets us up the pitch then. Yeah. It wasn't, well, I think you see, especially with the away games, Pats away, uh, Cork away, and then contrast it to Derry away, where Cockley was brilliant, and that kind of we were then from on the basis of that. But he needs he to, the platform to. But he has to have players around him really far, far. T- I mean, the ball. I know so, the ball didn't. Sometimes, like I don't know. I, 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 see, him take, I see him take balls out of the sky and make a stick. I put a chain there in terms of Cockley because he he is that link player. Where when he get when he gets on the ball, it's like that he hold up the play yeah, and bring in the likes of Junior or bring in Ryan the free. I think he's and the same. Go and create, cause more damage from there. Mm. You know they can unleash Jesse Devers down the right hand side, and then again they're they're following in on the balls yeah. he's playing across the box, and that's where we cause an awful lot of damage. Like, as you say, if if Callie and Moran are sitting deep, if if the ball isn't sticking up front, then you have no chance. Mm. Well, that's that's I mean that was I mean nothing worked a huge amount for no. Cockton the other day. Uh, I mean, which is a good sign, though. The fact is, we were done a game, and like Pats again, they had a long way left, but we never were look under serious pressure. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a it was a good thing defence as well because it, I think he both um, McFadden and Timo were excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really going to like Timo. People, some people are critical of him. People on Twitter are saying he doesn't look great. Like he does He hasn't done a huge amount wrong lately. He, no, he has. No, I, I, I would say his best. I thought that was his best game. What do you, what do you want? To, like, I know he, he. I mean, he's not the most. I mean, he looks great on Instagram. Sometimes <laughs> he doesn't look great under the high ball. But he's a big six foot plus centre half and League of Ireland. That's what you need. That's all you need sometimes. Yeah, no, I, 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 I give you that. It's, I think it was his best game against Pastor today. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was very good. I thought Regan Donnan was exceptional at left foot. Yeah. Yeah, or, or listen. But then the fact the fact that we weren't under serious pressure, just the whole defence was obviously yeah. on his game. Like Banks coming back is a massive boost. Yeah, he's huge. He's different class. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, more in sending off. I mean, the first yellow card I thought was a disgraceful decision. Well, I can't comment that because we streamed stuff, so I missed. The, I didn't know until three hours later. <laughs> 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 <So>. <laughs> no, the, fir- the first yellow, the first yellow card. Well, he was antagonised by Benson. Well, Benson went through with a knee. Yeah. To win a ball, and then Benson went straight into. I don't know who it was. Was it McLaughlin or was it not McLaughlin? Um, was McFadden. It was Banks. It was Banks. It was Banks. It was Banks. Yeah. But he did. He did. Uh, Benson went through both of them, and Moran he went through with his knee high. And when the play broke down, Moran was given out to the ref about the challenge. Well, that, which is, that which Benson is really made. unlike uh, Moran. Like you, yeah, never, but, you never see him, and all of a sudden he he, he picked that day to yeah. start. The head I've never seen him lose the head like that. I could be completely wrong in saying it, but uh, you never—you didn't even see him lose the head. So what are you talking about? <laughs> the oh, that was the first one. Sorry, that's the first one. I felt uh, I felt with Pat's maybe more is coming a wee bit more out of his shell, getting that wee bit more confident. They're just maybe a wee bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's happening week by week. You can see it with the forward balls too. Yeah, like earlier on, I was saying to you a couple of weeks back, just that 
I reckon if he was if he was a bit more adventurous, he'd be oh he'd be a serious yeah. serious player. It's yeah, just what you see the game, game before that in the showgrounds now there was a couple of balls in behind full backs and getting people turned and stuff like that where he was starting to Yeah like, like, he is mad by the potential like he's what twenty. I suppose you're looking as well, maybe as Connor as you were alluding to with Colley and Moran sitting back, you are dealing with Chris Forrester and you just you just don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Chris Forrester has the ability to do absolutely anything. Yeah. He's a fantastic footballer. So maybe the boys sitting back in that regard are they're looking you know, to absorb him coming through as well. A yeah. point on the road is like a, a start of anything, the point on the road is it's a good point. What did, you, what did you say before we started recording? If we bet pats and if we pats and bet balls, and we win in two big ifs, like obviously, <laughs> but not that we, we, said that. We'd be second in the league. Yeah, well, we're well capable. I don't understand. If you look at the balls team, and and they're second in the league, so why can't we be second in the league? So we have every good as big yeah. team. Look at our four. You can guarantee when they get their money from Dover, they're going to come looking for our fellas. Yeah, they'll be looking for a coffin. They'll be looking for the freeze. They'll be looking for mm-hmm. so they walk into their team. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, we'll listen, we'll talk about the Bulls game um, um, after we hear from Tommy Higgins, the club chairman. Um, is there anything else you want to cover on, on Pats? I don't think there really can be. Was that clear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that point, at that point, leave us now. Are we, are we safe for relegation? Or? Our relegation is a distant memory. It's a distant memory, right? Yeah. Well, I don't so, know. Yeah. Uh, what have we, have we, how many games have we got left? Seven. seven. On f- Seven from Friday. No, seven including well, Friday's game. How yeah. many points have we got? Yeah, seven before we seven as of now we have seven, yeah. We're, we're eight points clear at Arbson, aren't we? I mean listen, I mean you can't you can't Who do you want who who do you think will go down? Who do you think will go down and who do you want to go down? I didn't think Cork will go down and I think they're desperate for it now. I thought they would have turned it around. And I don't want to see Harps go down because it's a northwest I don't want to see the league being having an influx of Dublin clubs. It needs to be a, an Irish league, it needs clubs from every county nearly. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that. I mean, I'd love to. I mean, the the, the more we can see of um, of uh, Ali Horgan, the better. I think, like, you know. Yeah, well, I, oh, I don't know. I I think that um, I think it'll do Harps good to go down and for Ali to go to go to leave Harps. Yeah, it's all the best. You have to leave Harps. Yeah, it's the Ali show. It's always the, the Ali show. Everything is, is, the, is the Horgan show. Like it's yeah, like but the, I mean, the height of his ambition at the start of every season is the playoff. Yeah. And the one-off game, and he knows they've. I know they beat the the, the, the past first time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, for their development, maybe to get oh, a more progressive been, manager and try and bring some new fans every year. Oh, I hope we make the playoffs. Yeah, but it's they funny. are. I mean, the other thing about Harps though is that they are. Um, are they starting working Stranola again on that that pitch? That no, his head's been shaking here. I think Tommy alludes to it in the interview. I think they're going the same road as us. So I mean, from that, if they if they're pushing things on from um, an infrastructural point of view, they definitely want to be in the top. They, they don't want to be, you know, oh, stuck in the first division. Okay, listen, we'll push things on. We'll talk about the Bulls game uh, after we talk to club chairman Tabby Higgins, who joined us to discuss uh, the master plan that the club is putting together on the back of funding being secured um, by leader to the tune of around thirty thousand. And uh, I started asking Tommy about how he uh, he first became interested in Sligo Rovers. Like I suppose a lot of supporters in the club that were brought by their parents and that's gone down from generation to generation since the club was uh, since the club was founded. And then my father went to England and my uncle who lived in Dorley Park would collect me. I lived down in John Street. Be waiting there at quarter past three every Sunday because half three were the games then. Every Sunday was half three of the games. So I've been coming to the showgrounds since I was six. And over the years what's your, your greatest rover's memory? 
Yeah. I don't, you know, I suppose the cup final the, and Harry McLaughlin, you know, the, the great goal of Harry's. There's a whole lot of great days, but it's not about the, you know, one game. The, the first league was great in, was it 78, 77, 78 season? You know, that was a huge, uh, the, big, the, the big league win. But it's not just about what you win and what you don't win. It's the experience of going to the games. It's in your DNA and it's within everybody. And it's the same with all supporters all over the world. If you look how, you know, you're, you're married to that club one way or another. So it's the passion for a football club, no matter what the sport is. Uh, what led to you? Are you chairman for that year, year and a half? No, I only came in there in the last at the last um, February AGM. when we had the AGM. AGM. Yeah, there's less when I came in on that. And how did that opportunity come about? Just asked when I be come chairman. The, well, the reason that Martin uh, Herity was the previous chairman did a great job there on that, and Martin then was um, uh, went on to the board of the FEI. So he felt that he couldn't. You know, if you were fighting your case for, uh, uh, he had to be some sort of impartiality on the board. Of, uh, of the FEI, so he couldn't. He felt that he couldn't do the two of them. Was it something that you? So he's still on the. He's still on the management committee, you know. So. Yeah. Was being chairman something that you would have always had an interest? Never. No, 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 no. I hadn't. It's just that the way it turned out. I was asked, and I was delighted. I was thrilled and honoured. To be honest yeah. with you, yeah. And what did um, you know from the outset? What were your aims, your goals, or what did you think you could do as chairman? Well, I'm still learning, you know, because I mean, first of all, there's a fabulous crew of people running the club at present. I'm not saying that just for, for the sake of saying it, but there's a good bunch of people. Everybody has different talents and everybody contributes to it. And the fact that it's all voluntary and all that suits me. And I, I also felt that if you have something to give back into your community or whatever, you have some bit of experience that, you've, uh, that, I, that I had from working in the entertainment business, which involved a lot of football and stuff, and if I can bring some of that back into the club, the club that I love and that I'm involved in forever, um, that uh, you, you have an obligation and a duty to do it. But this is fabulous, and I'm really, really enjoying it at present. Yeah. Uh, recently, there was uh, the big news recently is the talk of this master plan. Um, there's been a statement from the, the club. Um, what is the master plan? Do we have a master plan, or is that yet to be created? No, no, it has to be created. We're in the process of doing that. But I mean, there was, a, there was a plan created in 2007, a strategic plan, very, very good, and an awful lot of that was done already you know we, we we've done a whole lot of that that was in that plan so this is really a continuation but it'll probably be more ambitious and maybe for a longer period uh, and if, if you look at the I, you look at the, the last 50 years when the showgrounds was was um would say bought and men of great vision that did all that and created and left this fabulous legacy that every every club in the country is envious of uh, we have to now look at the next Hopefully, the next fifty years. So, yeah. is, the, is the master plan infrastructural, or is it about players on the pitch? It'll be everything, and everything. But now, usually, the players on the pitch has to be left to the manager, and you know that's is the work. But how we run the how we run the club? Can we get more income into the club? You know, and uh, I, I I'm a great believer. Hopefully, we, the, we, the Jesus Avenue stand definitely needs to be re, uh, restructured. It's you know it's fallen apart. Is there any ideas? For the Jinxes Avenue stand, no, regardless of how you would develop it, that'll all that'll all come now in, in the plan. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I really don't know, and yeah. we have a wish list. We've given the wish list, but by the time it comes back to us, it may not be feasible because we have to look at the financing, and it's no point the financial aspect. There's no point in doing something, creating a massive overhead, and then laying a big debt on the club, which we're not going to do. And I, I point out the Aviva. That's what happened to Aviva and the FAI. They took on a huge amount that just couldn't be, couldn't be uh, serviced or financed.
Would a large proportion of the finance be available through grants? Uh, well, hopefully we, we don't have it. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And once the plan goes out and we see what it is, yeah. we'll go looking for it. But uh, I, I, again, the FAI are very anxious for clubs and they, uh, to upgrade their facilities. So between the FAI stroke, Government Sport Ireland, UEFA, um, uh, the Brussels, everywhere <laughs> that there's money, we'd be going after and looking for it. So that would be the plan. But we have to see what it is going to be first. It doesn't make sense. So when, when all that is done, so there'll be a huge consultancy among everybody. All the stakeholders in the club will be involved in this and the, the Rattigans are doing it and the, they'll be you know, checking in with everybody and see what is the aspiration. But this is the, we're, right in the, we're right in the middle of the community here. You know? So I think we can do more things here that community-based, etc., etc., and we can get more use out of the show. Is it important that there's a local company, Radigans, who are delivering it? Well, it's just, it just they happen to, they happen to, be, to come across. Uh, well, there were 12 applicants. We were really surprised because when we went up on e-tenders, I thought there might be two or three who would be interested. Yeah. But there was three from the UK, two from Northern Ireland, and then seven from the Republic. So what's the time frame? What's the scope of the... When will the master plan uh, be ready? It's a form. We start there the 1st of September, so it's the end... Uh, at the end of the year, and we'd say by... Hope to be announcing this in... in uh, we'll have a, you know, a, a press, uh, press release and a press conference, etc., in January sometimes. That's the plan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a matter of chasing... Funding to deliver. Yeah, but that will take, you know, it's not there, and I'd have to caution everybody when it does. You know, the money isn't sitting there, but we're going after it and we'll, you know, we'll get it. But I think, I believe too also, if you have an ambitious enough plan, you'll find the money for it. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I believe in that. If you, if you have a good enough plan and you, you're, you're showing them and it stacks up, as a, this is a feasibility study, it has to stack up financially mm. uh, and for the good of the club. Yeah. You know that uh, that will come, but you know if you, I'm also looking at our our catchment area. It's not Sligo. It's two hundred thousand people from Westport to Enniskillen and up to Dunny, South Donegal. A draw, draw a, a circle around an hour's drive from from roughly an hour's drive from Sligo, and that's those 200,000 people in there. Look at all the players that are playing. There's three fellas from Mayo there playing from our in a, in a first team squad at present. Young lads come from Westport playing in the in the academy, yeah. and that will be also part of our uh, 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 of the feasibility uh, upgrading the academy because I think an awful lot we can learn. That's what's happening all over Europe. In regards to the academy, what would be the plan for the development of it? How can we better the academy around the club? We, we need more pitches, you know, and that would be uh, <laughs> that's going to go into the plan because we definitely need. I believe in that. I also believe in the the women's game. Because women bring fans to the, you know, the, I, I see it in the United States, as we used to do a lot of ticketing for, the, for clubs around the, from the States, and the women's game was massive there. But they bring huge, huge crowds. And the same, you can see it happening across Europe. And the last World Cup was, Women's World Cup, there was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. The enthusiasm, but also the skill on the pitch was fabulous yeah. as well. You know. So, uh, if you do that, if you have two or three players coming through every year, you're following them up from the under 13s, 15s, 17s, 19s, etc. Uh, and you can see when our Dunlas is the under 17 team at present score, scoring goals for fun. So there must be great talent coming through. But if the coaches can see them coming through every um, on, on, all the way up, they know the style they're playing, they know what to do. Instead, sometimes when you, you take some player from, you know, I don't know, 
so, Mozambique or whatever, you're not so sure, you get videos, mm. you win some, you lose some. No, we've been very good with the recruitment this year, they've been great. And, uh, but uh, sometimes they don't work out. Yeah. But a few lads, a couple of lads coming through, financially it's far better for them and develop their careers. You spoke about stakeholders as well in relation to the master plan. Like, yeah. Obviously, we're, we're coming from the, the trust perspective. Yeah. Uh, there's the Dublin Supporters Club, there's expats all over the world. Yeah. Will, will there be an opportunity there for everybody to communicate? Oh, yeah. That, that's, that, that is the brief, and it goes right to the, the residents, the, you know, the councillors, the planners. You know, it's, a, it's a very, very wide scope that I've been asked to, to get because this is so important. But, you know, everywhere you go, that your main club in every town or city, it's a huge focal point. And I think there's an awful lot more to be got out of Sligo and Sligo Rovers. You know, the council will get involved and they, they, they'll give an indication uh, that they would support this, you know. And so, we, you know, and I have a little bit of time now that I'm not working full time. I'm doing a whole lot of other things. So I kind of time to devote to this and drive it through. And that's, that's what I intend doing. Some people might like the idea of other sports being played in the showgrounds, but from a revenue-generating point of view, uh, looking into the future, do you see that there could be scope for maybe Connacht rugby or, or other sports, Gaelic football, whatever it might be? Gaelic is probably out because it's a 150-yard pitch. You know, the, the dimensions of the pitch are, are yeah. far beyond the width of them. We would, you wouldn't have the space for that. I'd say you have to look at the rugby and see what happens. Look at that. I'm, I'm not going to be making that call, and it'll go into, it'll go, it's going into this big hopper, and we'll see what comes out of it. Yeah. If it was a case with the redevelopment where we did see the Jinxes Avenue stand being mm -hmm. redeveloped and maybe a new stand being built as well, would it, would it be possible to look at getting maybe the under-21s, the Irish under-21s back, maybe the under-19s? That generated a huge amount of interest around the town and brought great, great support out. Well, what, I said, what I said before, if you build it, they will come. You have to, I, I, yeah. I think you have to create the environment and say, look at look what we have here. And uh, we, that would be, you know, we, we'd be knocking on the door then. And there's more than that. There's under 23s, there's women's internationals, yeah. there's a whole under 1600, there's a whole lot of stuff there you can do. You, you've experienced as well, though, you told us earlier on about um, being involved in ticketing in Norway, a club like Molde, who we played yeah. five, six years mm -hmm. ago in European competition. Uh, from a town of a similar size to Sligo, but they have they obviously have a, a much bigger presence. Uh, their average, their average attendance is eight thousand. You know the stadium holds twelve. It's only filled three times a year. You know um, it's for I think Rosenberg, Fredericksburg, and uh, I think only three, home and away. But it's only filled about three times. But they have um, a support base of seven thousand. Of the eight thousand people that go, their average attendance of eight thousand. 7,000 are season ticket holders. That's enormous. And they're the same size of a town as Lago, and not a huge hinterland. It's very sparsely populated in Norway. And is know? that the kind of model that would be. You'd love to see more season tickets naturally come. But look, at, we'll see what comes out of all this. Uh, but I, I, I keep going back to the, if you create the environment. I started off in the entertainment business, there were um, dance halls. That was where the, 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 uh, the, that was the threshold, that was the bar. The Bay Mountain Strand Hill. Then you know, just the, the when the artists started coming to Dublin, the National uh, Foot, the Boxing Stadium, which is two thousand three hundred. Then it was the RDS at five thousand. Then the big game changer was Harry Crosby at eight and a half thousand with the point, and that has been redeveloped again to uh, thirteen thousand. So every time the industry was able to step up, once you created the environment, more people 
Cook, I wanted this, and you have to create a good night out. And that, uh, the, the new, the, the three, it's called the Three Arena now, there. it's uh, consistently been voted the top venue in the world for attendances and for atmosphere, and from the 10,000 to 15,000 capacity. We've only a small population, but it's a fabulous venue, the way it's designed and all that. Mm. So why is it? It's created the atmosphere, the people like it, it's a good night out, and I think we can, we can create that here too as well. You know, I, I think people like to eat something and, you know, and, 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 you know, want to create all that. So that's what we, that's what the brief we've given to the, to the guys here uh, to, to do this. And when it comes back, we'd have to go through it, examine it, bring it back to the, you know, the, 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 the manage committee, the, the officers, and most important, I think, you know, that uh, David, the financial controller, <laughs> he, he was, I mean, the most important person in any club is your finance man, you know. And I knew that even from from my from uh, from previous from my previous work, the financial control the most important person in any organisation. Because yeah. if you don't have control over the finances, you're done. And look, what we we've those guys, especially David, has done a fa- fantastic job in the last guiding the last six months, guiding the club through a very very difficult period. And there's room for a lot of optimism. One thing we're all trying to struggle with and struggling to control is COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of club plan with COVID in the short term and the medium term? No, but we're no different than any other club in Europe. Uh, and we just take, put Europe to one side. I mean, was, I saw at the start of the Premier League today, it's horrible. Yeah. You know, empty. And, you know, what, what, what would the showgrounds be like now with us? You know, have, we're on a great run. The place would be alive and hopping. And I was saying, you know, the other, we're playing balls on Friday. There'd be three and a half thousand people here on Friday night. Easy. Huh? Easily. Yeah, and the demand, for, you know, but I think we're stuck with, with the, what we have. We're going to find out on Tuesday the government guidelines. I think they're going to allow something. That's what I'm reading. They're, you know, they're all uh, suggesting that something is going to happen and so many people will be allowed in. Don't know what that's going to be, but uh, we'll have to live with it and then we'll have to look and see how we manage. But every other club in the country is doing the same thing. You know, and even to dock, they have a massive uh, overhead. You know, mm. nothing coming in. Yeah. They're going to have to look at it too. It's all right talking about sugar daddies and all that, but there's a limit to what sugar daddies can put into clubs. With COVID, is it a scary thought come the end of the season in terms of signing back players and seeing our finances available to keep all the talents of Brian the Freaks <sighs> and Junior? Ah, we'll deal with it. You know. We'll have to see what what happens. Oh, look at I th- we we're going to manage somewhere, and there has to be some help coming from government as well. And they know how the government knows how important sport is in general, and not just soccer or league of Ireland, but in general, sport uh, is is to the people and for the well being and for mental health and everything. So we're all going mad to get out to football matches or hurling matches or whatever it is. So uh, you know we deal with that on the the. The, when the time comes, you know, there's a lot of great players we want to retain for next year. So, that uh, but that 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 will take place in due course. And since we've come back with the COVID, the, mm. the fortunes on the pitch have definitely turned around. How have you thought about that? Ah, oh, we're thrilled. You know, and I mean, it's a great credit to the players. You know, it was a difficult time for the players. That we, you know, we had to temporarily lay them off. Very very difficult. We didn't lose one player. You know. And there's a lot of adverse publicity about us doing this, but we did the right thing at the right time for the benefit of the club to make sure we were here today and we finish out the season. 
and it proved to be right. The decisions that we made back then was very early, but we knew that this was going to be a long, a long haul. And I wasn't sure whether the league would come back at all. And I, one part of me would say, look, should we have waited until next season? Now we're going to, you know, this a lot, it took a lot of money to get through this season. So what's going to happen next year? But, you know, we're all in this now. If there's going to be a League of Ireland next year, every club is in the same position as ourselves. It's only to various degrees. Yeah, and as someone who's been um, speaking to people inside the FAI, um, what is the impression after a number of months of the streaming service, the Watch and the streaming service? It's been very successful. Uh, as I, I don't know the numbers. We haven't got the numbers yet, you know, but I think critically, you can see from all the forums and everything, the fans are delighted. And it's great to be able to see any way, no matter what, you know, if you're Derry and Harps were on today, and it's great to see those teams play. You never see them other teams playing. Mm. But I think for the fans, and I, I, I was reading something up in a little, on one of the, um, it was on Twitter, some guy was in some mining town in Western Australia, watching Sniper Road, watching Sniper It's fabulous, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, whether there's enough of it or not, but you know, it's, it's been critically very successful. I have no idea yet financially what it's like. No idea. Do you imagine it's something that will stay? Yeah. I, yeah, they'll have to look through it all. What happens if we say, oh, the crowds are allowed in, and then how do you manage the home games? Yeah, we definitely want to see the away games. I don't know how you're going to manage that. You know, so, uh, but I'm sure we'll figure that out. Um. How does overseeing a League of Ireland football club compare to your your uh, business enterprises? Well, no, 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 I tell you something now. I I I'm not overseeing the club. There's a great bunch of people living there. I'm just I'm, I'm sort of a minor figure in this. I just hope that I can bring a bit of experience that I picked up in the, in the, in the previous in the previous uh, career that I had that I can bring it into the club here. But David and Brendan and Andy and all those guys are the, they're doing a brilliant job. I didn't change anything. I'm not going to change anything. I don't need to change anything. There's a good bunch of people. If there weren't, I wouldn't be involved in it, to be honest with you. Because, you know, and, uh, everybody is gelling together and everybody is throwing their, their weight behind everything. So it's fabulous. So I'm not doing an awful lot. I'm just, you know. With the position you're in, would you like to keep it long term or was it a short term goal? And I think no, no, look, at, look at, I have no idea. So I'm only here a few months. I'm only here six months, six, seven months. And I think we have to put yourself forward every few years anyway, I think. There's a, there's a, haven't it's looked at it yet, isn't it? There's a term that rotates. You have to put your name forward, so every three years, I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't know, and I haven't thought about it. Let's get this up and running first and see what comes out of this. But I think everybody, you know, the brief we gave them to be ambitious, you know, to come out. Now, we might get a, a kick in the ghoulies <laughs> later on. <laughs> when, when it comes back to us, we find out that we're not a, that a, oh, you're ambitious, uh, you know, you, you want to buy a million euro house, but you can only afford a 250,000 pound. But I, I believe that the funding will be there if you're ambitious enough and it will make a lot of sense, yeah. you know. It sets a great example for other League of Ireland clubs, though, <clears throat> to have Sligo Rovers go for this. I want to be one of the first out because there's, the timing is right. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the, what, what's encouraged as well that the, the, there's encouragement coming from the League of Ireland, and from, sorry, from the FAI. And uh, they have appointed um, an infrastructure um, um, person there to look after the infrastructure, and there's an infrastructure committee, and I'm on that committee as well, so I'm picking up or whatever. Finn Harps are doing something in Strandorla, uh, Bohemians and uh, Shamrock Rovers have been looked. So it's, a, it's an unfair league in that way, the way it, uh, you know, we had to find the, the finance out of, you know, from our own resources and from 
from funding and whatever we do for it. But, do you, but do you we have to get we have to get grants, of course we will. But the advantage for Sligo Rovers over your Bohemians or your Shamrock mm. or your Shamrock Rovers is that we have this resource in the showgrounds that we can try and maximize. Yeah, that's within our control. You know, that's what we say. You don't have to go to some. It's it's within the control and the and the the trustees of the club, and we 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 we'll deal with all that. You know, there's the there's the heritage group. There's the, the Bitter Red Trust, you know, there's all the different people that are attached will have an input. Uh, but I think everybody has the same goal at the end. What can we do to keep the tradition going and to keep the, you know, the club going and get better and better and better? But, you know, th- there's wage inflation coming into now, better players are getting better money. The likes of Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers have created that, you know, they're, you know, they're able to pay more. So we don't want to be left behind. So the idea to try and bring in more income into the club and more people. And then when you have more people in at the night, the spend is better there because they'll buy a few coffees and programmes and merchandise and, and stuff like that. But it's great to see the club doing it in the right way instead of building it on a foundation sand. We're building, look at the build a solid foundation well, and actually bring the club forward that can withstand any yeah. bad I mean, if you look at it, somebody, even last year, I think Vincent, Vincent Nally, he went out and fundraised 85 grand or something to... to the, the main stand there, it's all receipts, you know. So that's going to do for the next 25, 30 years or whatever. So it's, that stand is great. And the one down below just needs probably a roof on it. And, you know, but the other one over here, then hopefully can get something here on the Nazareth House end to finish up and make it a lovely, cosy, compact, um, uh, you know, we, we can put 6,000 seat all covered stadium here comfortably. And that's probably in the range of what. But that leaves you in uh, the category three you. If you can do so many, then you have to, once you go to the next category, it's a bigger jump. Well, we wouldn't need a bigger jump. But I'm, you know, look, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. You can get three to four thousand people here coming regularly, um, and uh, especially if there's um, investment going into the league from the FAI. Uh, before we finish up, what about the uh, the ideas that have been thrown around about the league going forward? Um, you know, there was talk about the All Ireland League and. Is that something you're in favour of? That, that's, look, I think something has to be done. Uh, the All-Ireland, I, I think the All-Ireland League could be very good. One of the... One of the, the, the All-Ireland League? All-Ireland League, it's called. There's a few different proposals up, and that's been put to the clubs. Now, I think the COVID thing is going to push it back a year, because how can you do something you don't know what's going to happen? Uh, so we'll see what happens next season. And uh, but definitely a change, a split league, and there's one proposal I think for the All Ireland, the All Ireland League, where you'd have two rounds here, and then you bring in the northern teams and have another round at a European place. We're creating an extra European spot, so that would be very, uh, very attractive to everybody, where you can create an extra European spot. But yeah. so for the likes of clubs like us, a spot in Europe, we get one or two rounds. It's phenomenal, yeah. you know, and we saw that when we were in Europe there, you know, seven or eight years ago, and then out of that, the money was put back into the ground as well, and look what it is now today. So, you know, going forward, what we're doing with the master plan is an extension of what was done in 2017, and we want to go now to the next step. And that is Slug Rovers chairman, Tommy Higgins. Uh, an interesting conversation that we recorded with him a couple of days ago, um, particularly around the development of the showgrounds, um, it sounds ambitious. I mean, he didn't go into exact specifications, but what can we take from it, Sean? It sounds like a dream, to be honest. Yeah. You know, uh, he says it talks about the redevelopment of the Jinxes Avenue stand, which is 
as everyone can see, it's crucial. Yeah, absolutely crucial. It's not a place you want to watch a football match from. But um, and then to if it was to go and we get the new stand as well, but on the national end, it's I don't know, it's something you you dream about as a cyber over fan, really and truly. Yeah. Um, where, what, Shane, what was your first? What's your first memory of being in the showgrounds? Where did because my first memory was standing with my father over the Jackson Avenue stand, and all, all his mates stood over there, and you were standing on rubble in there. Like it was before the the uh, yeah before the concrete kind of uh, tears went in. But you mine were, is the old remember the old shade over the side. Do you have the crow's nest on top of it? Yeah, the car, the red corrugated iron. You red corrugated iron yeah, yeah. benches with the wooden benches. Yeah, uh, that's fine. We used to hop the wall to get in. <laughs> <laughs> when I started I thought that was a pretty cool stand I thought I was pretty taken with that stand well, as I was going in I think it was Pugh and Mitchell managers I remember they were joint managers yeah, that's my father used to always say that's the farmer's stand that's what I was <laughs> and where, where did you watch games first when you came in I was in the Nazareth end with my father and not like that all his friends used to come up the back and stand with about 10 of them and yeah. just standing all the roaring and shouting and, just and the concrete terrace that was there yeah yeah and just being amazed with what they were saying and then don't tell your mother. The language. <laughs> all the language. The language. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, as we were young, we'd all be looking over envious towards the shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When can we get in there? <laughs> yeah. And then you'd be standing at the front of it at the graph, you'd be looking back to everybody in the back and each year go by, you'd progress a step back further yeah. and further. That's, yeah, you got promoted every year. You got promoted every year and you got to the back of the, back of the shed. Yeah. Well, it would be amazing to think that uh, the, the ground would develop to such a degree that, um, you know, that you'd have a new... Uh, stand in the Nazareth end, the shed end, uh, with with facilities in there. Whether it's, I mean, I suppose you're going to look at new changing rooms because what's there currently is pretty tight under the the current new stand, isn't it? Or maybe not. It, they're actually they're not dressing dressing room. Room. Yeah, they're, they're pretty spacious. Was there some? It's what the, was there some problem with international football there with the underage football in that dressing room? No, maybe I'm just inventing. It, maybe. Well, I imagine it could be maybe the, if it was the officials. Yeah, the officials' room was the officials' room. Right, okay. Rather than the, the, the dress rooms are pretty spacious. Yeah, maybe I just made that up. I thought there was an issue with the under-21, international under-21 football that was here. And I thought there was some problem with the dress rooms, but maybe I just made that up. Um, the other thing that Tommy talked on talked about was the development of uh, the academy. I mean, the academy, and you'll know, Shane, more than most of us, because you, you see it most days, the academy and the underage football and structures that's um, are going on around the club. Or it's I mean, it's pretty positive, isn't it? Oh, that's phenomenal down there. It's phenomenal, like, and they, the, I think, someone told me that there was, there was, and not want to get along now, but I think between eighteen and twenty lads from over the four, to five academy teams away on international duty last week and week before. Yeah. It's mental, like, for, for our club here to, and that's what Tom was on about. He was, he was saying if you could, draw. Uh, put a circle around the map for a new, in a ring. I don't know how many miles he said I was He said an hour drive from Sligo each direction. An hour drive from Sligo, that was it, yeah. You've got 200,000 people. 200,000 people. And, and I agree with him in that fact that we should be the sole club that all young people around that area are aspiring to play to. Yeah. We really should be. And if you come in and see the facilities here and the way the young fellas are looked after and the coaches to have them there at the minute, every single one of them, 13s, 15s, 17s, 19s, are, every one of them is top class. Yeah. class coaches they won't get any better anywhere they won't get any better facilities anywhere and and that's at the minute never mind when this plan goes through it's also uh, a fact I think when you have the likes of Conor O'Grady involved as well you know he's a legend, Connor, club, club captain club legend, legend. no two ways about it and he he bleeds the better right yeah 
there's no he is yeah but they're he embodies side of yeah so to have him coaching the young fellas yeah. and bleeding that into them as well you know yeah. Yeah. and they can see in fairness they can all see a progression plan now through into the first team yeah but there's, I mean I mean not just saying aside from Conor Brady but to have people with the experience of Ryan Casey as well yeah, like in under in international underage football, he's had a huge career um, playing yeah. with uh, Swansea uh, in the UK, and to bring, and, I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe as a coach, he's meant to be exceptional. One of the best coaches in the country, I would say. Mm. From what I, I I've obviously watched him a little bit, and he's he's brilliant. But like I wouldn't know, but from people in the know, would tell me literally one of the best in the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, listen. Really positive news about uh, the the master plan. Um, hopefully we have a real contra- a concrete foundation from which the club can push on and the last thing that Tommy spoke about or not the last thing but one of the major factors of the whole thing is getting the dollars in the door to to make the thing happen so um, to all the politicians out there uh, to all the football administrators internationally who are all listening to us um, well, you know, get the checkbooks ready yeah get in, get in now on the ground for them it's done you'll be ready we'll name a couple of seats after you yeah 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 um, yeah. Okay, so um, before we finish up uh, on Friday evening, Bohemians come to the showgrounds, and what's different about Friday evening, um, what's different to Friday evening in comparison to the last couple of games that we've played is there will be a hundred fans in the showgrounds. Will be some of us. Some of us will be here. Two lucky people at this table. One <laughs> not so lucky. But I had the pleasure of being at the Shells game. Uh, it'll be interesting. Over. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the team play with. As I was saying to Connor earlier, you'll hear more with the hundred people in than you would with oh, yeah. four or five thousand. Like, I have to say, it's, well, it's, I wonder how it'll how the. Well, you know, it sounds a mad thing to say. How would they react playing in front of a hundred people? But it no, uh, but it becomes very personal. Yeah, but I mean, even for the fact the last couple of weeks they've been so used to not. Yeah. I think I think I think it's a legitimate. I mean, I think it could change things for the home team significantly. I would hope so. Yeah, but 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 maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Could could have ne- negative. Yeah, it didn't do too much to UCD. They basically had a full house that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was wondering how could they get all the fans? It wasn't really fair, was it? <laughs> um, um, so. Yeah. You know, a win, a win on Friday night, and we are on nineteen points or two points off Bowes in second. Um, like I kind of feel that I kind of feel that if we don't, I know it's a lot. It's, a, it's, a, well, it's not a big ask, but I feel if we don't win on Friday night, it's a bit going to be a bit of a kick in the stones, isn't it? I, th- I think it's we're that fickle, like we? <laughs> a, a couple of weeks ago, we were. We were oh geez relegation this everything was such doom and gloom and now we're we're looking for second and then if we don't get it it's going to be doom and gloom again yeah yeah well I mean th- things are so tight I just think that if you know if 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 we were to lose at home to Bowles it just you know things are all up in the air I know we're not there's no risk of relegation I mean I don't, I don't think, think there's so. any risk no, of relegation but you just want to be in the hunt for European football you, do, yeah. you want to be there well I think fourth is going to be like if you. If we were to take ourselves out of the equation now with, with Bowles in second, and you'd have, we'd just say you have Shams, Bowles, and Dundalk, mm-hmm. then there's a fight for four then with ourselves, Waterford, oh, well, is there anyone else in the Shells maybe? I don't know, so possibly Derry. Shells, Derry uh, are on yeah. 12 points each, we're uh, just above them at 16, Waterford and Dundalk on 17. Oh, well, 
Both we are the we're the form team in the league at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. there's absolutely no reason why we don't go and take three points here on Friday night. Yeah. Oh, easily. Like I said, like I said already earlier on, that, that like we're every bit as good as like, if you look at it on paper, we're as, we're as good as Wallace easily. I think they've a very good manager in Keith Long, but we also have a good manager, so there's no uh, There's nothing for us to fear. Really. Uh, I think we've a full team bar. I'm going to presume Morhan is small, yeah. but aside yeah. from that, it looks good. But even at that, like, I think we've a full squad. Losing yeah. nine is a massive yeah. loss. Nine's been amazing for us so yeah, since the restart. So what, ha- what happens? Gary, Gary Buckley coming into the side. Yeah, is, Gary's is, a fantastic footballer. So is that what's going to happen there? He's yeah, going to be able to see more sit back and we bit like Buckley went to the more attacking role of the midfield. So you think so? So the Vries still doesn't get in. Yeah, in my it? personal opinion now, and it's it's solely a personal opinion, I would bring DeVries in for Devers. And that's only based on the past game. Cotton, DeVries on the, so on the left, Junior on the right. Junior on the right, yeah. Junior, yeah. Just a, a front three of Cotton, Junior in the Vries, and a midfield three then of Buckley, uh, Buckley, Colley and Seymour. I think when we signed Junior, that's what we had all envisaged. But in fairness to Jesse, he has... It's been fantastic. Oh, he's been brilliant. He, he, he's been on drop for the last few weeks. Yeah. So, I know he didn't he didn't have a great game on the past, but I don't think anybody did really. Did yeah, but I th- was he playing on the same side as um, as Chris Forrester? No. No, he's playing the other side of the pitch, was he? I kind of feel though that I think I got the feeling that that uh, Devers is told to to give a dig out to his fullback behind him. I think he, he's. There's periods in the game where he's told to hold tight. I think it's his natural game, though. He'll, he'll, he'll work and he'll, there's never there's never a lot in him anyway. He'll no, well, you cannot fall into work oh, right. Never. I think also, and I think Shane said it earlier on as well, that we did sit back an awful lot more in that game. And I think that for, that brought the front three back a wee bit more. And in turn, then, Jesse was he was left one-on-one, basically, with, his, with their left full. And he doesn't seem like a player who wants to go by a player. Whereas he plays in, he in the space, space in behind and yeah. running off. He the needs ball. a space to run into, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, in, fair, in fairness to him, I would say, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way. I think he understands his limitations. He's not going to start trying to dance around somebody. Yeah. He's if if there's open road for him and there's yeah, a ball yeah. there to be got, he's going to be gone for it. And funny, if you look at the stats from the game, he was actually he was our out ball. He was constantly used. It was all yeah, everything yeah. went down the right hand side. Yeah. Well, so, I think I think that's a. Was that because in the last few games it's been a. Deliberate ploy, I'd say, if you say he's always, yeah. he's always, he's always your ball because he's always willing. He's all, he'll, he'll, there'll never be a lost cause, like so. No. He's always a great out ball. And even in the past game, in fairness, and there's me saying he should have been dropped. It's not even the case of dropped. <laughs> it's just I think I don't, I don't think he can leave Ryan Freese on the bench. I think he's just that good. Yeah. You have to find a place for him in the team somewhere. But I think Jesse puts in two balls against Pats, and I think they're. Two of the most dangerous opportunities yeah. where, where Cotton yeah. just doesn't get there. His his crossing. The the, the the his crossing is is one of the best parts of his game. Yeah. When he gets a bit of space, he can put a serious yeah. bonder. He puts it in a pace, and you just need to get a wee nick in it. Yeah, he puts it in a pace. You see, yeah. that's the key. And you seen this ball for going way back for Carlton for the UCD, the the ball in the UCD. That's yeah. That's well, that's where he's, yeah, he's been on draft last week. He's setting up goals. His, yeah. his, his end product is there. I mean, we have to go at Bowles. He's setting up goals. We, we have to go at Bowles at home. Can't yeah. be sitting and back. They're not, they're not in their best form, Bowles, neither. Like, so they're there to be, to be there to be got at. They go at some straight from the start, get an early goal. And but I think Buckley is that type of manager anyway. He will. Buckley won't sit back and rest on his laurels. We won't just, you know, welcome them here and just sit back and let them play fancy football in front of us. That's not going to happen. Because I think Buckley's going to be looking for you. 
I know he'd say all the stuff in the media that no, we're just happy to be where we are and look, it's a great turnaround. But when you're when you're in touching distance to something like that, oh, yeah, but it's there you want it. Oh, absolutely. And he, he's yeah. an experienced manager. He knows his league. He knows how to work. Yeah. He knows how close he is to it. They want it. I, think, I, do, I do think more of them will be a big loss. The fact that it, the, 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 the midfield too has been settled since we came back. Yeah. yeah. Opportunity for Buckley in the middle of the park though. I mean, yeah. we, we know his potential from playing with Cork. We probably haven't seen it since he's travelled up here. No. So, One thing he will bring that you were, you, that you were alluding to earlier is uh, into the box. Yeah, he will get into the box. It was yeah. actually one or two times against Pats, just in the, in the brief cameo he had, where his, his movement off the ball yeah. just leads to he's, he's open, mm-hmm. and they, they've lost him. They've completely the pass players have completely lost him. Yeah, and it's just if he can get that link up down the feed. Well, I mean that's I mean I think that's what's missing from the team. And I said it earlier on. We see a bit of it from from Seymour. Uh, he, he tends to be a little bit more advanced and he'll try and be the man, you know, f- to, to thread it from back to front, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. But Seymour likes to drive with the ball, whereas Buckley will arrive late into the box, yeah. which is even harder to, to pick up. And yeah. Like. Well, what about, uh, kind of going off topic a little bit, but what about the work rate of Junior? Um, you know, I think he's, he, he, go, he gets all over the pitch. He's he, gets defend- all, he gets kicked all over the pitch. He's getting kicked all over the pitch, oh, yeah. But the work he does up and down the wing, I mean, he's as likely to be in our own box defending yeah. the ball as he is, yeah. you know, pushing into the opposition box to get, a, uh, to get a shot off or to get a ball across the edge of the box, like, you know, or into the area. That last, what was it, 30 seconds against Finn Harps? minimizes everything the junior is now for me. Yeah. Like, they're down to nine men. Yeah, and a ball bro, and he's back defending in our box in the last couple of seconds. The game is dead. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he's still working that hard for us. It's it, it's well, it's great to see. Brilliant. It's great to see somebody, um, you know, who's only in the door of the club, kind of showing that kind of you know desire. desire yeah, yeah. And I have to say, there there is a little bit of there's there's a little bit of joy or something about him. The way he kind of moves on the ball, he's kind of so deceptive. It's and an extra bit of class. Yeah. He is. And he I is. still don't think he's hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Not even close to it. I don't think he is. I think, he, I think there's way more to come from him. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of love to see him in a more central position just to see what might happen. I know you don't want to be pushing Cotton out, but when balls go into the junior's feet, it stays there, I think. And he's he's deceptive. And I just think he could make things happen. I know you're going to mess things around the place by putting him in a central role, but... But even well, the, option, the option is there, though. If it's, if it's ever needed. That's the good thing about now. We have options everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Options on the bench. Like, like I haven't heard anybody crying... About Murray in weeks. <laughs> it's just goes to show you, though. Like, yeah. like weeks ago, people would have been crying about him because he was he's such a good player that you want him on the pitch. But now nobody is. because yeah. we have that many options. Like, and he's a great option to have on the bench. But he's he's. But it also showed for me when you talk about Murray is when he came on against Harps that thing. Seems to have brought out the best in him again. That extra competition. He yeah. knows now that he needs to impress when he's out there, and he showed it against Finn Harps. And now he's an unbelievable option to have off the bench. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's. Like a fit, a fit memory is, is different class. Absolutely. Yeah, well, let's, here's, to, here's hoping we see uh, a lot more of that. Um, I think, so, uh, Shane, do you want to give us the prediction of how things will finish up on Friday night? Oh, God. Um, well, obviously, 3-1 uh, oh, us. Oh. That's a big shot. Huh? I think we score early and we... Score late. We have way too much. If we if we get going and play to our potential, we as I think we yeah, should you know, you know, you know, any team back. Even even for moments against Pats that are nice, there was passages of play where they couldn't get near us. 
it was too few and far between against Palace the night, but it is. I think we're on a game. If we scored early and run a game, the one that was. Yeah, the start against the start against Van Harps was pretty bad. The opening ten five yeah. ten minutes was pretty bad. The start against Pats was obviously not great. We really need to get at these boys from the start. I'm reviewing my so, <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what are you saying? Well, actually, I'm not too far behind Shane. I, I reckon 2-0. 2-0? Yeah, I think after the clean sheet against Pats, I've seen enough in the defence that I don't think we can see it against Wolves. That is the one thing, though, actually, now that you said it. That was our first clean sheet in... Yeah. How long? Seven or eight? Since yeah. Sturry, isn't it? Since Sturry, probably, yeah. Who scored the two? Against Derry? No, who scored your two against Bulls? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, Kyle Callum McFadden with a, an early header. No, I'm going to put Junior down for two. Oh, that's a nice little bet. Put your money there, lads. Um, I, I'll go with Fab three, so one, one for each of them. One for, for the three at the top? Yeah, three of me was. That's another nice bet. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say... Um, yeah, I'm going to say, like, there, there'll be more, I think both teams will score, and I think we might win 3-2. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be nervous. That's not good. I think there's going to be, I think there could be a good few goals. Okay, listen, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. That's the, that concludes our, our first um, Bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast. I mean, we're open to names here, are we? We're, we're, I mean, if, if people want to suggest names... If people have a good suggestion, yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean call us names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can do, they'll do that anyway. We're taking a board. Um, we don't have a, an email address for the pod set up just yet, um, but uh, any ideas or any um, comments or questions that you might have, you can contact us through the uh, Bitter Red Supporters Trust social media channels. And the website will uh, be launching next week. And the so website will be launching next week. www.borst.ie Bitter Red Supporters Trust uh, And tell your friends. And tell your friends, yeah. Uh, Shane, it wasn't too bad now, Shane, overall. You, you know, you're a little bit apprehensive at the start, but I think... Yeah, you can't have a wee bit of whiskey, Shane. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Conor Robin. Thank you. Good to be here. Pleasure to be here.